Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, your host, Angelica. Thanks for tuning in again on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is a award-winning actor, writer, producer. After her solo, Year of the Slut, it's won the Audience Choice Award at a festival in New York City. She founded Make Your Own Break, which empowers others with the skills to do the same for themselves to be a one-woman show. Stop waiting, start creating, and make your own break. Welcome, Jennifer, to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Angelica. I am so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Well, it's an honor because you've got an amazing story that you got to share with all my listeners. But before we even get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm born and raised in Maple, Ontario. I grew up here. I went to York University. I studied philosophy and English lit, and when I graduated, I packed up a duffel bag and moved to New York City with a dream and started auditioning and studying theater and acting, and that's kind of how it began. (laughs) And this journey, how, how did Make Your Own Break start? So, <laughs> well, it started because I, I was getting frustrated as an actor. I had been acting for several years. I had been in New York for several years, and then I had moved to Los Angeles. Um, I worked on a film production that won some awards in L.A. and thought, okay, this would be a great time to transition. Um, riding off of the success of that particular film. So I wasn't getting a foot in the door. I was having a lot of challenges meeting with agents or managers who um, up until recently were kind of the gatekeepers of getting auditions and getting work. Now the industry is changing quite a bit in the virtual world. It's easier to bypass agents and get right to casting directors and producers, but I digress because that's a whole other subject in itself. But at the time, I couldn't get my foot in the door, and somebody suggested to write myself a vehicle um, and do a one-woman show, kind of like Emma Stone in La La Land, but this was a few years before La La Land came out. So... That's what I did. Um, A friend of mine and I were kind of hashing out some ideas and I tend to be a little on the artsy side and she was kiboshing all my ideas and saying, nope, that's not commercial enough. That doesn't have wide enough appeal. And finally we got to something called Year of the Slut, which I, um, I just thought was a funny title and just kind of said like, yeah, I, you know, toyed around with this title. Maybe in my fifties, I'll write a book called year of the slut. 
Um, and she loved the title, thought it was really catchy, thought it would be able to get butts in seats, which is the number one concern when you do a play. <laughs> Doesn't matter how good the play is if you can't get butts in seats. So, uh, so I developed Year of the Slut, and I developed it in LA, got into a festival in New York, and ended up winning the Audience Choice Award. Wow. Which, um, and it's funny because I embarked on this journey where the only goal was to get an agent or a manager. That never happened. I didn't, I wasn't successful in getting any agents or managers to come see it. But I did get some recognition in New York, which opened up other doors. Um, and so that's the other thing too. It's, you never know where you're going to end up when you start a journey. Mm -hmm. You can have a map, you can have a destination in mind, but um, detours happen. And sometimes the detour takes you down a better road than you had planned on going in the first place. So after this, um, I had actually, before I did my own show, I had produced some friends one woman shows and then after I did mine I was flown out to Australia to help another friend develop her one woman show and I've I kind of had a knack for helping people tell their stories and get their projects together and I decided to start a company that was specifically geared to help actors and writers bring their stories to life um, it started off with solo shows, but I had gotten into film production as well as theater production and, um, it kind of snowballed from there. So it, at this point in time, I work on new media projects, film projects, music videos, um, series, theater still, always theater. I'll never give up my... <laughs> I'll never give up my love for the stage and live mm -hmm. theater. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of snowballed into helping other artists because I know how frustrating it is when you have a talent and have a story and you're itching to share your gifts and you just don't have the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to get down on yourself. And mm -hmm. I had been there. And if I didn't kind of take the reins of my own career and say, I'm going to do this, whether somebody picks me or not, I pick me. Mm -hmm. And that was the most empowering decision I ever made. And uh, it's an honor to be able to help other people um, assert their own power and thrive. And that's that's so like a lot of actors who are starting out tend to like give up after so many but you just like you know what screw this i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna make some changes here and there and just keep pushing and pushing until well don't get me wrong there have been several breakdowns on the way <laughs> but those breakdowns do help you know well, they do because it really forces you yeah to do some soul searching mm -hmm, exactly, and say like, okay, is it worth it anymore? Am mm -hmm. I still in love? Yeah. Because for, for me, that's what it comes down to. Um, 
being from a small town in Canada where nobody in my family is in the entertainment business or in any creative field whatsoever, one of the questions that they love and I loathe is how long are you going to give it? Yeah. You know, when I first moved to New York, a lot of my peers and family members would ask, how long are you going to give it? And then five years in, how much longer are you going to give it? And my point of view is I am having a love affair with my creative work. I'm going to continue my love affair until I'm out of love. Mm-hmm. You know, simply until I just don't want to anymore. But as long as I still want to and I still love it and it still fuels me and fires me, why would I stop? Yeah. You know, because also people have a very different idea of what success is. Mm-hmm. You know, would I love to be in a blockbuster movie? Sure. Would I love to be a series regular on some great show? Sure. But that's not the only opportunity and possibility of being a storyteller and being a performer. I, I was just in New York for three months where I got to do an off-Broadway play about John Belushi. Mm-hmm. And I was on salary. It was a paying, steady job for several months. You work freelance. Freelance is gig to gig. It doesn't matter whether you're in tech or whether you're in entertainment. Um, So I'm comfortable with the gig to gig lifestyle. I've been doing it for several years now. But just because it's not something that people can see on network television or on Netflix doesn't mean that I don't have a successful career or a career that I'm in love with. No, for sure. Definitely. And it's, I like how you just, even though, like I mentioned in the beginning, like it's, it's, with those falls, you still kept yourself motivated. I know it's so hard, like it's so easily to give up and just to keep going, but with make your own break, I can imagine how many people you are helping with just their skills and their talents besides having that one headshot that you submit and there's millions of their headshots that are being submitted and you're just kind of just waiting for a call and they're they're like you I know we had this conversation earlier how they're based on just one look it will tell them the story on a picture mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it doesn't And the other thing too is you're real. So you might have some clips from some of the projects that you've done, but they might not necessarily showcase your actual value and what your actual skills are. Um, You know, so even if, even if doing a five minute piece or 10 minute piece is just to be able to have a contrast between how people see you and how you see yourself it's valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other thing too, is I just love the creative process and I love being around people who are passionate about what they do. Mm -hmm. And it's a real joy to bring people to a point where they understand like, Oh, wow, these are, these are tools that I can learn and perfect 
And then I have a lot more power in my career. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, when you create a one woman show, can you explain to us in detail what that means? Because I know a lot of people don't know. Um, So what is a one woman show? Yeah. So a one woman show is a, a theater piece, a stage piece where you're one person on stage and it's not stand up comedy and it's a form of storytelling. Um, but usually it involves a character or several characters. So I love to use the example of John Leguizamo because he he's a very famous actor and very talented, but his one man show is what put him on the map. He had a one man show called freak and it exploded in New York city And he had already had a career. He had been working, but he didn't have the career that he wanted. And so basically he took a story about his life and he put it on stage. So I, I chose a story um, that was loosely based on my life. They, these shows do not have to be um, based on your reality. They can be complete fiction. They can be a, an interdisciplinary work of part fiction and then filling in the blanks with imaginary stories, which is kind of what my show was. Um, But basically you write a story where you're on stage, whether it's a 20 minute show or a two hour show, but you perform the show by yourself. So you are the one person who's on stage and it's all on you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for my show, I played 10 different characters. Wow. And um, it was about a girl going through her first heartbreak and not being comfortable with her sexuality and not finding a boyfriend, but also feeling like she has needs that need to be fulfilled sexually, but feeling uncomfortable. Um, And she kind of goes through the sexual exploration slash awakening with the help of her roommate who decided to become a dominatrix and um, a gay, a gay friend. So there were very, there were guys that she dated, her mom, her dominatrix roommate, a gay couple, um, a very sexually free chef at the restaurant that she worked at, which was the, the character who coined the term year of the slut. Um, so, yeah, and basically I kind of started with my own story of what happened to me in real life, but then you need story arc and you need lots of excitement jam-packed into a short amount of time. So you find that you borrow some stories from your friends and then you have to embellish <laughs> them and exaggerate them to keep the audience engaged. Mm-hmm. And, and then it truly becomes, you know a story as opposed to my story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I actually, last year I, um, I adapted into a novel and I published the novel. So that was a whole other journey because the novel wasn't for the sake of performance. So then the story kind of went through a different incarnation of how do you tell this story when it's a book? 
as opposed to being on stage and being able to react and feed off of how the audience is taking it in. And do you find, what is the hardest, creating the book or the actual uh, production itself? So, you know, there, there's so many different, um, so many different challenges. Like with the book, once you write it, it's kind of done. And I say kind of because then, of course, there's like, you need artwork and you need a website and you need marketing and Mm -hmm. you need branding and you need to keep promoting it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you, you put it up on Amazon and poof, it's done. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a constant, um, babe, I guess it's like a constant hungry baby, you know, that you need to keep feeding. Um, on a long-term basis, the show takes, it's a lot more energy in a condensed period of time Mm -hmm. because there's an actual, like there are actual dates in the theater. It's only happening these days. I need to get all these tickets sold, find out finite amount of tickets in a finite, finite amount of time. But writing it is just the one aspect of it. Then there's the the rehearsals and working with a director and needing music and needing lighting and needing some images and needing props and set pieces and publicity. And so they're, they're each a lot to, to take on in themselves, but just very different worlds. Mm hmm. You know, like the the book world, you can do the whole thing sitting in your pajamas at your computer. The play, it's a lot of, a lot of, um, you need a lot of manpower and you're physically doing the play every day. So when I, so for example, when I was doing the play, you need to have a lot of physical stamina because it's only you on stage. The show is an hour and a half. You're talking for most, for practically an hour and a half <laughs> the whole time. There isn't really much wow. dead, dead space. And you're moving around. And in certain scenes, if emotions are heightened, you might be running or lifting or jumping or dancing or whatever. So I literally, when I was working on the show, I was training like an Olympic athlete. My day, first thing in the morning, I would read the entire script out loud, however long that took. Wow. Then I would go to rehearsal, work with a director. We'd work on pieces. We would never work on the whole thing at once in one day. We would be like, okay, today we're working on this chunk. Tomorrow we're working on this chunk. Every single rehearsal lines were rewritten. Because that's the other thing with a play is you write it and you think it's great and then you get it on its feet and you're saying the lines out loud and it's not as, sometimes it's not as clear or sometimes your jokes aren't as funny as you thought they were. So it's, it's a constant process. I'd leave rehearsal. I would go to the gym. I would do a cardio class. I would do a yoga class and I would end my day swimming laps 
And while I was swimming laps, I did breaststroke and I would recite every single line of the play. Wow. And I would swim laps back and forth for over an hour. I would never count how many I did, but I would just swim laps the entire time saying the lines of the play. Wow. Because I needed to be able to get through the lines of the whole play while moving. I wasn't sitting on a couch saying the lines the whole time. So like I was really committed to not losing my voice. Mm -hmm. Your vocal, your vocal cords are muscles. These are muscles that you can build up with. You can build their strength. So I knew like a couple months before I was doing the show, I was like, wow, I've never done this before. I need to get my body ready. I need to get my voice ready. Oh, I also would do an hour of vocal exercises every day before rehearsal. Holy crap. Yeah. It was all consuming. And I, and I had a job at the time too. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you had your job, you had this production that you had to, you know, really, you know, prepare yourself for, and you're training like an Olympic athlete. Yeah. But, but that's another thing, too, that a lot of people don't understand the reality of acting if they're not mm -hmm. in the acting world, or even people who are just kind of getting into the acting world. In order to become an A-list celebrity or to, be, to become in the 1% of actors who actually make a living and a good living just as an actor... The, the chances are as slim as winning a gold medal at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so the Actors Union has about, uh, I'm talking about the Actors Union in the States. Yeah. It's a larger pool than Canada, but the Screen Actors Guild has over 100,000 members. Less than 10,000 of them consistently pay their bills as an actor on a yearly basis. Wow. So less than 10% of union members actually make a consistent living as an actor. Wow. And then out of those 10,000, maybe a thousand of them are stars, mm -hmm. meaning recognizable household names. Mm -hmm. And that's constantly changing. You know what I mean? Like the people who were famous 20 years ago you know, are not necessarily the people who are famous today. Like Tom Hanks has been famous ever since I can remember. Mm -hmm. But Meg Ryan, we haven't heard from in a couple decades. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. It was the two of them. Yeah. But he's still kicking. I don't know what happened to her. Yeah. And she was great. I... You know, I remember seeing her movies when I was younger and thinking she was fantastic. But also the industry is not as forgiving for women aging as men. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a factor too. But um, getting back to my point about being an Olympic athlete, if you're not taking your job as seriously as somebody who's training for the Olympics, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance of winning and winning meaning make a living, making a living at it. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of people just think you can just kind of show up and have the right look and you don't have to do much work. And some people get lucky and that's how they get in. 
but if they're not doing the work in five years, you don't know who they are. That is true. Yeah. Very high turnover in this industry. And, you know. Well, it's like a, a show that I've, um, a show that I was looking at on TV, I forgot what it was called, but basically there's that statistic that uh, actors, athletes have a very mm-hmm. short span of a career and if they do become that A and B, C, A, a listener, uh, well, A lister, um, and if you're not wise with your finances, you could just be on a very high note and then lose it all in one shot. Yeah, or not even that you lose it. You you buy a house, you buy a car, you buy your mom a car, you buy your sister a condo. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of, a lot of these people, they're not, it's not like they're making terrible decisions. They're being generous. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of um, celebrity, and that's the thing, you make the mistake thinking that once the money comes, it's going to consistently come at that rate or at that amount. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's true. I, I believe now a lot of the NBA teams bring in financial advisors Yep. to talk to these young kids who are coming in out of college who don't understand even that 50% of their contract they're going to have to pay in taxes at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think the acting world is different. SAG, Screen Actors Guild, the union has definitely has resources for actors and um you know, will offer help with taxes and things like that. But um, it's not like in our orientation, they sit and talk to us about, uh, yeah, just because you're in the union doesn't mean you're going to be able to quit your day job ever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they don't really, that's not really an incentive to join a union. It's like, yeah, join the union. Um, but we can't guarantee you that you'll ever work. (laughs) (laughs) But I I am a member of the Screen Actors Guild. I'm a very proud union member and I'm union strong. I I think it's important, uh, especially knowing how many, how many projects just fall through because they don't have the proper planning and actors get stiffed at the end and, or just not being treated properly on set. I think it's very especially in this business, the union is a really important um, asset. No, for sure. Definitely. And through this whole entire journey um, from beginning to end, what have you, did you learn a lot about yourself through this whole entire process? Cause I could imagine you have. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, I, I think about, what my goals were and what my state of mind was when I first began Mm -hmm. and the evolution that I've gone through as an artist. Mm Because when you're young, when you're 20 years old and you start auditioning and first of all, you haven't really been in the real world to know what it's like. So our views are still so kind of naive Mm -hmm. about just life in general. Yeah. And then as you go on, um, just stay, for me, it's all about staying within my integrity. Um, I'm not about to 
start posting bikini pictures on social media to get more followers because then I'll have a bigger following to sell my book to or sell my services to, you know, and uh, it's, and especially as technology is evolving and all these new platforms are coming out, it's just so important to understand or be clear about who you are and what you're willing to do and what you're willing not to do. And as a company make your own break, what type of people or how are you helping these people showcase their, their skills? Well, that's a great question. Um, so with make your own break, I have several different um, services that I offer. Uh, but usually it starts with somebody having a script or a story that they want to tell. And we'll sit down and meet and it'll either be for stage or for screen. That's kind of the first step. Like, how do you want to tell this story? And then I have, um, I have modules that are like seven steps, the seven steps you need to know for a film production, for a web production or for a theater production. Mm -hmm. And it always starts off with script development because the script is the foundation. And if you don't have a solid script, it doesn't really matter how great your actors are or how great your cinematographer is. If you don't have that solid story that you're telling, everything kind of unravels. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the first thing that we do is we figure out a story. Um, and then we figure out feasibly like, okay, for this particular story, how much money will it cost to shoot this? or put it up as a play? Is it going to be a fringe festival? Is it going to be in a 50 seat theater? Is it going to be in a hundred seat theater? Um, 500, you know what I mean? You just basically have to decide on the scale of the production. And then from there, we, we go into budgeting. If the budget isn't feasible, how can we break the project down into miniature size bites? in order to work towards the goal of raising money. Um, for example, with a feature film, I'll advise, I'll advise the team to choose one scene from the film that can stand alone and maybe shoot that scene and take that to some festivals and use that to raise money for the bigger project. But each, each project is going to be a case-by-case -case scenario. It's, um, you know, it's hard to kind of make a blanket statement and be like, this is what we do. Um, but basically, it, it's case-by-case -case depending on the medium, depending on the scale, depending on how much money they need to raise. Some people have money. Some people can pool their money. In terms of like partnering, like a writer can have a great script. Maybe the script has five different characters in it. So finding five actors who are willing to put up and then everybody owns the project. Everybody's a producer on the project. Everybody gets to collaborate and have a say. Um, or maybe they have access to equipment or access to locations that aren't going to cost them very much money. with. Um, Theater productions, selling ad space in the program is a really good way to start off fundraising and get seed money. Um, 
there's always avenues like uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I don't do crowdfunding with the people that I work with. Crowdfunding is a challenge. Um, and especially if you want people to come support the project afterwards, it's like, oh, well, we need money to do the project and then to sell tickets for the project or sell tickets for the screening. It, it turns, I feel like it kind of turns into a black hole sometimes. And uh, that being said, I did do a Kickstarter to get myself to New York for the festival. Um, so I did have success with Kickstarter. I raised $4,000 successfully. That money wasn't really to pay for the production. It was more to pay for my expenses of renting a place in New York for a month and flying there and living expenses and um, buying a few things for the play that I couldn't take with me. Wow. Um, so so I... I'm not a hundred percent against it, but there are, there are quite a few other creative ways to come up with, um, fundraising, even parties, getting a liquor sponsor, having a party, um, partnering with a charity at a party. So 50% of the ticket sales go to the charity. There are so many other creative ways on how to fundraise that I, that I really try and steer clear of the crowdfunding. I also feel like crowdfunding is so oversaturated right now. I don't think a day goes by where I don't get a request on my feed to contribute to somebody's project. Mm -hmm. And it just gets to the point where you can't help everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be supportive and I want to help my friends. And anytime somebody has a play or a screening or a concert or a gig or a stand-up show that I am available to go to, I am very supportive. Mm -hmm. um, I also believe in karma. Like, I believe that if I go out and support people, they're going to come and support me or even just putting the energy out there that somebody will come support me, even if it's not the person that I'm going to see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's just a few of the things that I do. I also have a blog um, that it's wordpress.com slash make your own break. And the blog basically just goes through different aspects of production and getting your projects off the ground. Sometimes it's talking about um, challenges that I've had working or things that I would find helpful or a lot of times the blog um, has been inspired by something that happened to me the week before or two weeks before on a production. It's usually inspired by a snag or a roadblock that I had to um, circumvent mm -hmm. in order to um, move forward with production. So yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff there if anybody's interested in finding out more about what I do. For sure, definitely. And all of that information will be in the show notes for all of you to get your hands on. But I really love how you are really empowering people's skills to be able to take those creations and really help them come, make it come alive. Well, yeah, you know, it, it really, um, it can get really dark sometimes in one's own mind. 
when you feel helpless. And it doesn't matter whether it's feeling helpless about finances or feeling helpless in a relationship or in your love life or in your career. There's nothing worse than feeling helpless, at least from my point of view. So being able to shine some light to people and say, hey, you know, there's always, there's always a few steps you can take on your own. And if you take those few steps, you'll be more likely to join people who will come on the journey with you. Agree. Agree. And I like what you said about karma. It's like, I feel like I have the same mindset where you just want to help everybody because um, it will come back to you, but also just being able, like you're showcasing uh, people's skills and what, what they are potentially can really do and then for myself in the podcasting world it's more like i just want to help people so that way they can showcase their talents their craft and everything to the world yeah and one of the other things um i do this has nothing to do with make your own break but i do volunteer work and i teach acting classes to adults with special needs with cognitive disabilities Um, anywhere from autism to, uh, down syndrome, cerebral palsy, brain injury. Um, that's the most fulfilling and rewarding work that I do hands down by far. Um, if you've ever worked with a part of the population that has those challenges, you go, you walk out of the room and you just say to yourself, I have zero problems in the world. I have nothing to complain about. I have no problems at all. You know, you might be feeling depressed or that things are dismal or bleak. And, um, you know, it really helps put things into perspective. But my joy of, of working with this group is that a lot of times we're doing different acting exercises and they're finding things in themselves, abilities in themselves that they never thought they had. And everybody has gold buried inside them somewhere. And when I get to help people uncover their treasure, it's the most satisfying thing that I do. Wow. And it's the way you said it, that the underlying treasure it really touches me because it's, it, wow, I, I didn't even know that. And thanks for sharing that because it takes, us, it takes a, a person to really do that and give their extra time to those people and to really make them feel like, you know what, you can do it too. Yeah. And, um, you know, and especially a part of the population where it's quite tragic because children um, get a lot of attention in terms of they get a lot more sympathy from strangers than adults do. When adults have cognitive disability, they're kind of written off as part of the population. They're kind of written off and people don't um, think that it's worthwhile spending time with them. And the services that are provided when they're children, all of a sudden, once they hit 18, they don't have the same services available. So it's, um, it's amazing that I get to have this opportunity and get to 
share my share my love of performance and theater with a group who is so gracious and grateful to have the opportunity to play with me a hundred percent and i can i can really hear it in your voice how passionate you are and how it's it's really close to your heart and what you're doing giving back is amazing it's a beautiful thing because it's so rare that you hear that and I really, I can really hear it in your voice. Like you're so passionate about it. And that's something I that you really, really am. I love this group. I've been working with them for five years now. They actually um, were so inspired by performance that we got a couple of different grants and they wrote their own, they collab, the group collaborated, wrote their own feature film and they shot a movie and they made a movie. And we had a red carpet premiere um, last year. Wow, that's amazing. And to give that gift, because we had a debrief after we had the event, we all sat down um, at the next class that I was teaching. And for them to be able to be in a room with their friends and their family people who basically never expected them to achieve anything because of their disabilities and to have a room full of people watching a movie that they made, that they wrote, that they came up with the concept, they worked hard and they got to get dressed up. There was a red carpet rolled out for them and for them to have something that they have ownership on and that they were proud of, this was an achievement none of them ever thought they would accomplish in their life. And, um, you know, not like the movie is going to screen, screen at Sundance or the Toronto Film Festival or anything like that, mm-hmm. but the fact that these people can have ownership and self-esteem because they achieved something, that made all the difference in their lives. Oh, definitely. And it's something that they'll always remember to be given a chance of somebody who's taking their time to really care for them and show them these these skills or, or improve on the skills that they have or those gifts that they have to create something amazing. Yeah, exactly. And not just that. Now they know that they can achieve something yeah. if they desire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah you really broke down the barriers for barriers for them. And just like, we can do it. You, I can do it. You can do it too. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so I basically take, took the same mindset of what inspired me to create make your own break. And I just translated, you know, that intention into this group that I've been working with. And it's, yeah, it's funny when you, you asked me earlier about kind of my journey and I'd say like that was the most unexpected thing I never expected. I had never worked with um, special needs individuals before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I ever intended to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the performing arts director at an elementary school and there was a group of, there was a special needs class where the bus didn't show up for their, um, for their trip, for their field trip. Mm-hmm. And the special needs teacher knew that I had a break between classes and ran to me and said, hey, is it possible that you can fill up two hours of time doing some theater stuff with 
my students and I did and it just so happened that that day at that time there was a gentleman from this or from the organization who works with adults there wow and he just saw me I I was not prepared I didn't have a lesson plan I didn't have anything planned I didn't know who these students were mm -hmm. and I just improvised and the this man Jerry Dicker he's in charge of the organization and he came up to me and he was like wow he's like you kind of have a knack for this will you come work with my group and I said sure and you know at that point in time I just thought I would go once and do some stuff you know do some theater games and acting stuff and um, after that first session with them, Jerry pulled me aside and said, you know, I've been working with some of the people in this group for over 20 years. It's a group of adults, so over 18, but there are several people in the group that are in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um, and he said, I've been working with this group for 20 years, and I've seen people come to life in ways that I've never seen. And he said, this is, this has been like tremendous for them. And will you please come back? So it became a monthly thing. Wow. And then after a couple months later, you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> well, I'm doing a good deed here. Well, yeah, you know what? But to me, it doesn't even feel like, it doesn't even feel like that. Like I feel mm. so comfortable with the group. I don't feel like I'm any different than they are. Yeah. You know, everybody just wants to be able to express themselves yeah. in a genuine way, in an authentic way. For sure. And, and yeah. So, so that's all it really, you know, I don't even, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel like I'm, I'm going to do something that's arduous in any way. It's completely joyful every time I go. Yeah, no, for sure. That's amazing. I honestly congratulate you on that because um, it, it is truly amazing what you're doing. Thank you. It, I feel blessed. I feel blessed and yeah. grateful that I have the opportunity For because sure. there's nothing more rewarding than seeing somebody's face light up because they surprise themselves with their own ability. Exactly. Exactly. You said it. One more thing before we wrap this up. What, yes. advice, what advice can you give someone who wants to become an actor? Ooh. You have to love it. You have to love it so much that just being able to do it is enough just having the opportunity to open a script and work on a monologue or work on a role is enough because the reality is you're going to spend most of your time alone in your bedroom or in your living room working on your acting. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins will read his script a minimum of 100 times before he goes to set to shoot. So he is spending 
way more time reading that script than he is playing that role. It's a lot of solitary time. And you have to get good at enjoying the process of it. Um, if you're after fame, Instagram is perfect for that. <laughs> Instagram and social media platforms have made it really easy. Even YouTube mm -hmm. made it really easy for people to get followings um, for different reasons. But if you are looking to be an actor because you love to tell stories, you love to make people laugh, you love to transform into a character and breathe life into something that you want to take off of a page. Yeah, it's, it's just about, you just have to love it so much and you have to love the journey mm -hmm. because it is a journey. Sure, there are, there are some very rare circumstances where people get discovered and they get some great opportunity, but that's the exception. You know, that's the exception. You can't base your life plan around an exception. You have to base your plan on the reality. And then that's the other thing is have a plan. Um, I, I'm going to plug this fabulous woman, Bonnie, Bonnie Gillespie. She has a program. She has a book. Her book is called Self-Management for Actors. And if anybody is just, it doesn't matter what stage you are in your career, if you're just starting out or if you've been doing this for 20 years, she has amazing, her book is amazing. It's on Amazon, Self-Management for Actors. And she teaches you about the industry, the reality of the industry, about branding, about treating yourself like a brand and like a business and about being really diligent about running your business because it's, it's called show business, not, not show up, <laughs> you know, if it was just about showing up, then we'd all be where we wanted to be. So, um, so yeah, that would be my other piece of advice. Check out Bonnie Gillespie, Google her name, um, look up self-management for actors and uh, she's awesome well thank you for that and I just want to say wow this is amazing and this is what I love what I do because I love to hear other people's stories because we all have a journey that we are on this path and we are here to accomplish our goals and our dreams, but sometimes there's hiccups and that's okay because we are, are able to get back up or learn from other people to help us be stronger and Definitely. accomplish and, and, those dreams. And sometimes life gets in the way. Like mm -hmm. twice in my life, I've packed up my life and come home and helped with family when somebody was sick you know, and taken a year off or two years off and then packed back up and decided, okay, I'm going to go back in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's our own, um, self doubt and self esteem that gets in the way. Sometimes it's having a need, um, to care for others and put their needs before our own there. Like you said, it, it's a journey and uh, there are lots of twists and turns in the road. But, um, but once again, sometimes the detours make it better. Yeah. 
for sure a hundred percent i really thank you so much jennifer for thank you angelica and you're you're a canadian deep down inside oh i am a canadian through and through (laughs) i'm based in toronto i go back and forth for projects from time to time but i am a homegrown canuck (laughs) and from toronto so am i i cannot believe this yeah but I really thank you so much for being on the show, really talking about your experiences and challenges. And of course, your business, make your own break. I love this so much. Stop waiting, start creating, make your own break with Jennifer. Thank you so much. I thank wish you, you, Angelica. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share with you. And um, I look forward to having coffee with you soon. Yeah, for sure. Let me know the next time you're in Toronto, we'll set something up and I'm excited to meet you in person, but thank you so much for all of this information. This thank is you. amazing. Uh, you're making, you're doing such a, you're doing so many great things and I, it's such an inspiration and motivation. I hope others out there listening can really feel how passionate you are about your business and your volunteer work. Cause, oh my God, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. All the best and have a happy 2020. Thank you. You too. And to all the listeners out there, everything is going to be in the show notes for you. And uh, thank you for listening on another episode of a little bit of everything with me. And that's all we have for now. Hi, my name is Casey Gonzalez. I'm with Chef Salty Pork. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Mark the Shark from the Mark the Shark MMA Show. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, the local massage therapist. And you're you're listening to, to a little, a little bit, bit of everything with Angelica I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. That's it for now. And thanks for listening on a little bit of everything with me.